Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're listening to This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, November 19th, 2021. Sorry about that. Forgot what date was for a quick second. But have no fear. We are here. We're back. It's been a few weeks. I apologize. Haven't had too much, um, what's the word, fire to do to do an episode. There's not really been that um, desire, really. And I don't know why. I think it's because a lot of sports are going on at this moment right now. Football every weekend. Now that my weekends are just about free, um, I just want to watch football. I come home Friday. I'm tired. I'm dragging. Right now, I'm dragging, actually. Uh, haven't eaten dinner yet or anything. Had a big breakfast, big lunch, so I'm not hungry at the moment. So I figured I'd power through this podcast, but starting to get a little bit of a headache. Um, but that's all right. We're going to power through. Of course, you know, Saturday and Sunday is just riddled with college football, NFL football, and there's really no time to do the podcast unless I'm doing it on a Friday. So I want to get this show done today on this Friday the 19th of November, 2021. Plus, there is a lot going on in the movie and television show game right now. You have King Richard just came out. I know the Ghostbusters movie came out last night. This new Wheel of Time on Amazon just came out. Um, there, there's just so much going on in the streaming world of, of television and entertainment and movies. Um, then you've got, I think it dropped today, um, Adele's new album 30 um so if you know you're an Adele fan she seems to release music once every like five ten years so this is a big album release so it should be exciting for those of you that are Adele fans um so yeah pretty much that's my reasoning behind the whole thing as to where I've been and yada 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 right so we are going to uh jump right in and first, we are going to start with um, our weekend recap. I'm going to sort of go backwards this time. And we're going to start with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They finally uh, righted the ship a little bit here, won three games in a row now, and they are back in first place in the AFC West. Your pretenders at the beginning of the season, the Denver Broncos, the Los Angeles Chargers, who we really thought were maybe um, going to step it up another level with Justin Herbert in his second year. They have, uh, you know, petered out, and they lost yet again, this time to the Vikings. Um, so, yeah, rough go there. And the Raiders, we were wondering, or at least I was wondering, just how long they could hold on. It's like the person that's, you know, that's um, that's in the water, that's drowning, that that that's just trying to to buy by that time before their head drops below the surface of the water. And that's been the Las Vegas Raiders because it's just been a whirlwind of a season for Raiders fans, of course. But getting back to this game specifically, it was a just straight beat down um, for lack of better terms. This was, I coined this the get right game for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Why I say that is because uh, Mahomes couldn't even throw for 200 yards, I don't believe, against the Giants. It was like two weeks in a row he couldn't throw for more than like 250 yards. And it was just, it was weird. They looked awful on offense. Their defense 
uh, was just a sieve, couldn't stop anybody or anything uh, coming its way. Um, but yeah, Mahomes goes off in this game, 406 yards, five touchdowns, and the Ra- the Raiders, the blows just keep on coming. Um, of course, first they lost their head coach and John Gruden. Okay, they showed us a little fight there. Maybe, maybe they can you know right the ship without John Gruden. Then Henry Ruggs is driving 156 miles an hour, kills a woman, and now then you then you have Damon Arnett who threatens a guy on TikTok. He gets cut from the team. And now in this game against the Chiefs, the Raiders lose their prized fullback, Alec Ingold, um, to a season-ending injury. I believe it was a um, ACL or one of those, whatever. It's season-ending either way. Um, and it's tough because the Raiders, yes, they are still um, above board right now. They're 5-4. and four. They're just... Um, One game out, I guess, tiebreakers with the Chargers for that seventh and final playoff spot. But let's be real. Are are the Raiders going to be able to sustain any of this or or really just play 500 football uh, from here on out? I just, I I personally, I don't see it. I've been watching football a lot um, for a long time, um, for many years. And I, I just, I can't foresee a team overcoming Hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. I I mean, this is just unprecedented territory right now. And it's almost like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop to see if somebody else, um, you know, does something stupid. If, you know, some other, you know, news story comes out, like the one with Antonio Brown this week that came out like yesterday, which I'll get to that in a little little bit later. But just the the blows kept coming um, or keep coming for for the Raiders. And while they might be five and four right now, I don't foresee them having any chance at making the playoffs. Okay, next up, we had a return of two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, that being the Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers facing off against one Russell Wilson, who was out for probably like a month or so, maybe longer, um, with that finger injury. This game taking place in Lambeau. There was some snow, yada, yada. I wasn't sure whether to take the over uh, on this game. I was thinking this was going to be high scoring. Thank God I ended up not touching it because this one, ladies and gentlemen, was a 17 to nothing ass whooping, if you will, via the Green Bay Packers. Um, not a great start for Russell Wilson in his return. It actually is the first time in his career that he has been shut out. So that was all a bit shocking there. Um, It's good news for New York Jets fans because the Seattle Seahawks dropped to, uh, I believe, like three and five, three and six now. And the Jets own their first round pick. So we want the Seahawks to keep losing and then possibly Jets will have two top 10 picks in the NFL, that would be just amazing. Then they could decide whether they want to, you know, trade one of those picks out and accumulate some more picks. Uh, you name it. They've, they've got a bunch of options there, so so that would be nice. Um, it wasn't all uh, sunshine and rainbows, though, for Green Bay. They lost their prized running back, Aaron Jones, um, 
uh, was later reported by Adam Schefter that it is a mild MCL sprain and he is likely out one to two weeks. I don't think he's going to be playing this Sunday. Um, uh, Adam Schefter's actually been tweeting in the last half hour or so a bunch of update uh, injury news throughout the league, which is quite shocking. Not really because Fridays you kind of know by now if a guy's going to play or not. Um, and then, of course, late Saturday night into Sunday morning is when Shefty really starts to get active with who's in, who's out, all those game time decision type players and such. So I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, A.J. Dillon, he's been the one guy. He's been consistent. He's a tough workhorse um, power type back. And, and he's shown up nicely in that backup role for the um, Green Bay Packers. He scored a pair of touchdowns in the fourth quarter to really put this one out of commission. Uh, and like I said, it was the first time in Russell Wilson's career that he had been shut out. Uh, other Some other news around the league from last weekend's uh, slate of games. The Mike White era came to an end as he threw four picks against Buffalo in a 45-17 to loss at home. Um, I told a lot of people to take the over in this game. Um, so my brother, he took the over, although he paired it with a Dawson Knox touchdown, so that's unfortunate he didn't win that bet. And um, I, I'm, I'm starting to get a little annoyed with Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen has not been Josh Allen in fantasy, and I've dropped like three games in a row, and I'm now in third place, somehow still in third place. But Josh Allen, what are we doing? What are we doing, Bills? You ran it. You ran it in five times against the Jets. You couldn't tell. You can't throw three or four touchdowns. You have to run it in five times, really, and not even a Josh Allen rushing touchdown, which nets me six points. But regular rushing touchdowns, whether it was the wideout um, number nineteen, drawing a blank on his name, coming around the edge, McKinnon or whatever his name is, um, scoring a couple times or, you know, just it, it was annoying. Let's just put it that way. So I lost by like 20 points. It is what it is. I lost to first place to the first place guy who's still undefeated. And it's really annoying because he talks a lot of uh, trash. But that that's just how fantasy goes sometimes. Them's the breaks. Hopefully um, I can right the ship. I need DeAndre Hopkins back, which isn't going to happen, I don't think, till after the bye. But um, yeah, so the Mike White era, it was just bad. Four interceptions. He was getting knocked around. Um, I didn't appreciate. I did not appreciate. I've said this for years as a New York Jets fan. I basically almost wrote a letter to Roger Goodell last season in terms of Sam Darnold getting absolutely rocked when he got hurt and missed a whole bunch of games because it was a clear roughing the passer penalty that was not called. And yet again, the same thing we saw with the Bills uh, and Mike White. Mike White is, uh, you know, basically a rookie making his third career start. Um, couldn't even make it through a second start. And basically, uh, there's whistles being blown because the play was dead or it never happened. And the Bills are pretending that they didn't hear a whistle or a timeout was called. And they don't, they're pretending they don't hear it. And they're just rocking Mike White and knocking him to the ground. Um, I think it's dirty. I think um, that there should have been penal penalties. And the NFL never came out, to my knowledge, never said anything about it. But I give credit to um, Craig Carton and, and uh, his show because they alluded to this fact. Um, 
Carton and Roberts, both of them, Roberts especially, uh, they brought this up. And and I was like, thank you. Finally, somebody is talking about this because I'm watching the game and there's whistles and these defensive players are just rocking Mike White to the point where eventually they rocked him and he couldn't finish the game. Joe Flacco came in and he threw a meaningless touchdown to Elijah Moore and um, the Jets lose the game. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, the Mike White era is over and... I will get to a little bit more um, on Robert Sala and the Jets in just a second. The Lions and Steelers tied 16 apiece. Sands Big Ben. So, yeah, Big Ben, uh, I think on Sunday morning or late Saturday night, all of a sudden he tests, po- excuse me, he tests positive for COVID and is out for the game. So in comes Mason Rudolph. We obviously know the Detroit Lions haven't won a single game. This game ends up going to overtime. It's sloppy. It's wet. It's rainy. And the Lions quarterback, I mean, Lions kicker, who nobody knows, um, Santoro or whatever his name was, he kicks one of the worst field goals you will ever see from 48 yards, stood no chance, didn't make it. The Steelers then get the ball. You think they're going to win the game, and I think Fryermuth or somebody fumbles the ball. The Lions pick it up, and the game ends in a tie. So no 0-17 this season, but 0-16 is still up for grabs. I really do feel for the Detroit Lions because, man, Dan Campbell, he 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 wears it he wears it on his sleeve, man, and he just wants uh, to win a game, and I'd like to see them win a game possibly a couple games so the Jets can get that number one pick. But um, I think that's a pipe dream at this point because just when the Jets look like the worst team in football, they go and they win a game against the Titans or they win a game against the Bengals. And I'm sure they'll win a game against Houston in a couple weeks. Um, So, yeah, it's just tough, tough going and tough sledding for the Detroit Lions right now. Um, Yeah. The Washington football team, or you know me, I like to still uh, stick with the Redskins, although I will say Washington football team is starting to rub off on me a little bit more just because I'm starting to get used to it. I keep seeing it everywhere, Um, but for purposes of conciseness, it's just faster, easier to say Redskins or the Skins, so I'll stick with that. The Skins with a surprise beatdown of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady threw a couple interceptions early. For some reason, the Bucks defense has not really been able to figure out uh, Taylor Heineke. He started in that playoff game last year and gave them some trouble in that one before eventually the Bucs were able to pull away. So yeah, they lose this one 29-19. I know, a bit of a weird score, but um, tough blow for Washington in this one as they lose Chase Young to a torn ACL. He is out for the season. And hey, uh, the Panthers had a nice bounce back as well. Uh, They beat Arizona 34-10 in what was Cam Newton's return. He was active. Wasn't sure if we were going to see him a lot, but he was in there on a goal line situation early. He ran it in for one score, and then he also threw it in uh, for another score, threw a touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. So, um, yeah, I don't recall seeing Robbie Anderson screaming at at his quarterback on the sideline in this one. Uh, That's a good way to shut your receiver up by throwing him a touchdown uh, because we all know he was screaming at Darnold a couple weeks ago. 
um, and the Carolina Panthers were actually so much uh, so pleased with Cam's performance that they have gone ahead and named him the starting quarterback for this week's game. So look out for Cam. Uh, maybe you need to uh, start him at quarterback in your fantasy league if you've got somebody on by, et cetera. Um, very surprising, though, for Arizona to get smoked like this. I know they were without DeAndre Hopkins, without Kyler Murray for another week, but they had a really nice game against San Francisco with Colt McCoy at quarterback, but he just was not the same. And, um, yeah, they got smacked around in this one. And it looks like Kyler will be back this week, but Hopkins will probably not be back. Okay, we had another surprising outcome on Monday Night Football. It was probably the worst bet I made all season long, and I fell for the old, I did a whole, I'm not going to bet this game. It's a division game. It's weird. I I'm, I don't want to touch it. And then I'm driving home and listening to the radio, and they're saying, oh, you know, the Rams just got smoked. They've got OBJ now, um, and they're going to come out, and they're going to, you know, win, cover the three and a half points. Not only did they not cover, the 49ers dismantled the LA Rams and in a shocking fashion, so much so that the rest of the league was put on notice. If you want to beat, um, if you want to beat the Rams and you want to beat Matthew Stafford, you better have a nice pass rush because he couldn't do anything against Bosa and those guys in that front seven. Um, it was 31 to 10 when all was said and done. The Rams couldn't do anything. Odell Beckham Jr. had a disastrous uh, debut. Stafford tried to force one to him deep. He cut off his route early, it looked like, and he threw into double coverage for an easy interception. It was just, it, it was not good. There was drops left and right. Um, Higby, the tight end, just awful game. Like, go, go hit, hit the showers, bro. Like, like come back tomorrow and, and figure out how to catch the ball. You might need a sports psychologist or something because he was dropping balls left and right, and so were the entirety, uh, uh, the entire Rams offense, seemingly. It was just an ugly, ugly game. Um, so, yeah, Rams getting smoked on Monday night. Some surprises there. Uh, four teams were on bye last week. You had the Bears, Bengals, Texans, and Giants. And real quick before I forget, speaking of the Bears, Khalil Mack is out for the year. He is going to be getting um, surgery that will put him out for the year. Um, I don't recall what that is for. Um, Amari Cooper tested positive for COVID, so he will miss this game and Thanksgiving Day's game as well on Thursday. Um, so I guess, let's see, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that Thursday, six days. So I heard if you test positive for COVID, I think you're out five days versus 10 if you're unvaccinated. So that would mean Amari Cooper is unvaccinated, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I'm sure it's no secret either. So, uh, yeah, something to keep in mind there. Let me just jump on over to the Twitter sphere and check up on Adam Schefter's tweets because I know he I'm missing some stuff that he was saying. So real quick, I just want to hit up um, Adam Schefter. Let's see. Adam Schefter, what's he been tweeting? Um, let me go back here. Yeah, Amari Cooper, uh, test positive, out two games. Okay. Um. Ooh, this is a tough blow. Uh, Pete Carroll spoke earlier and said Chris Carson will have season-ending surgery to prepare for next season. Okay, so he's done. 
Uh, I don't. Oh, Alvin Kamara is officially out. This actually, according to Field Yates, Adam Schefter retweeted this. Uh, so Kamara is out on Sunday against the Eagles. So that means a heavy dose of Mark Ingram once again. Um, and they almost pulled out the upset against the Titans. Almost had it. All right, that'll be it for now. If anything pops up or I get any notifications later, I'll report back. Okay, next up, let's talk a little college football real quick. Uh, Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente, their head coach, have agreed to part. Um, Basically, he was fired. That's just a nice way of saying it. There will be a buyout there because he's still under contract. That buyout was negotiated to a nice hefty sum of $8.75 million must be nice to get paid to do nothing. That is awesome. Um, The Hokies went a okay 43 and 31 under Fuentes um, and are five and five this season, which that's the big, that's the big takeaway from this. They started the season with a huge win against then number 10, North Carolina. They started off the season two and oh, they got themselves up to, uh, 15th in the AP poll, and then they they seemingly forgot how to play football, losing five of seven, including three straight home losses to Notre Dame. Okay, I give them that one. Pitt is has been actually very good, and they lost to Syracuse. Rutgers beat Syracuse, so that tells you all you need to know right there. So, uh, yeah, he is out at Virginia Tech. And that was after uh, replacing Frank Beamer, who had been there since the 80s. So let's see who Virginia Tech has on their radar for their next head coaching position. All right, next up, let's talk a little baseball. This week, a lot of awards were announced. We're going to start with uh, Rookie of the Year and the National League. That honor goes to none other than... I should have a drum roll, but that's fine. Everybody knows these by now. The Reds' Jonathan India taking home the NL Rookie of the Year. And in the American League, it was Randy Arozarena. Yes, Randy Arozarena, he is still a rookie. He did not qualify last season, even though he dominated the postseason. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Jonathan India. Most people might not know who he is because, let's face it, not many people watching the Reds on a consistent basis. Um, he, Jonathan India, this is a fascinating story. Um, he never He made the opening day roster after never having played a game at the triple a level ever. So he maybe he probably played double a, but then he never played triple a and he made the opening day roster. So it's just amazing. He hit 269, 21 homers, 98 runs scored and a 113 OPS plus in 150 games. He also led the NL with 23 hit by pitches and had the highest war 3.9 that's wins above replacement of any rookie position player. Just astounding. And he is the first NL second baseman to be named rookie of the year since Steve Sachs in 1982. On the flip side, as for Arosa Reina, like I said, we all remember him when he burst on to the uh, postseason scene uh, a year ago as he was named ALCS MVP and batted 377 with 10 homers over 20 games after just 76 plate appearances. Well, he backed that up and some. Um, in his first full season in 2021, 
Uh, Rosarena hit 20 home runs and stole 20 bases while finishing with a 131 uh, plus, or excuse me, a 131 OPS plus. Um, so congrats to those two guys. Okay, some crazy news. Uh, the Staples Center that everybody knows and loves, you know, they hold the Grammys there, that the Lakers play there, the all sort, uh, the Lakers play there, the Kings, right? The, that's Hockey Kings, not Sacramento Kings. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, and the, I believe, the Sparks all play there since it, its opening in 1999. And it is being rebranded and renamed to Crypto.com Arena as part of a 20-year naming rights deal that I saw to be $700 million. That is believed to be the largest venue naming rights deal in U.S. history to date. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is a wild one for sure. So just a little bit of news on that. Um, and speaking of Kings, like I said, not the Sacramento Kings, but it is time to talk about them real quick because they were making headlines, or one player in particular was Tristan Thompson. Um, and it has nothing to do with the Kardashians, um, if you follow me on that one. But the Kings, uh, Tristan Thompson, he went absolutely off. So to give you some context, the Kings have some playoff aspirations this year, um, and they've been playing poorly. Okay, they lost five of six to some bad teams, and this and Thompson sounded off after losing by ten to the T Wolves. Uh, either I think two nights ago. So take a listen to Tristan Thompson. I'm gonna say this. I think um, no no man in this world should rely on another man to inspire them. Point bang player. You could put that in all capitals. I, I me personally, no one should ever need a coach to inspire you. If you don't get inspired in a game, then you shouldn't be on the court. Losing teams, losing players, you need to get inspiration from your coach. And I'm not, I'm not with that. My teammates better not be with my teammates aren't with it because I know I know guys want to win and they want to win badly. So it's not about Coach Wallen inspiring you. This is not no freaking glory road. No, you got to be ready to play. Your number is called you in the damn game. I don't need no coach to, to, to inspire me. Never that, never have, never will. The day I need a coach to inspire me is the day I'm tired. I'm going to go play with my kids in the park. So uh, I speak for my teammates with, with that quote. So we don't need no coach to inspire us. I know Towns is a good player, but, you know, we had a game plan for him. And yes, you know, you want to force him left, but if he gets right, your teammates got to have your back. You got to help your team. It's the same way where if I get B and I want my teammate to be there, I got to be there for him. That's part of being on a string, and that's how you build a defensive mentality. And the league is hard. It's hard to win. You know, we don't have the luxury of having, you know, that that, that go-to guy like a, like a LeBron, a Kawhi, or a PG, or a Jason Tatum, or Luka. We got to win collectively. So those little things, like with, with Towns or even with Anthony Edwards, we got to shrink and show bodies and make them second-guess the move they're about to make. Um, he's absolutely right. I will say that much. Um, if you should not need to be inspired by anybody and, um, it's just, it, it, he took it a little, uh, to the extreme, but he's trying to get his point across and kids, um, that's a fair point. 100%. Okay. You draw inspiration from yourself. If you're not inspired to play, then maybe you, do, you don't have the passion and the heart and maybe you don't have the love for the game. Um, but to play at this high of a level 
the professional level, whether you're playing, you know, NHL, NBA, and uh, MLB, you know, whether you're playing maybe overseas, wherever, professionally, okay, you get inspired by, you know, inside your own your own self and your own mind. You have to get that um, right. So I don't know maybe what the question was exactly, but that set him off, that triggered him. Um, but uh, yeah, he 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 went he went at it for sure. Um, so okay, let's get back to business here. All right, I wanted to talk about the Jets. This is going to be another rant about the Jets once again this episode. Um, all right, so the Jets got smoked. Mike White throws four interceptions. We all know about that, right? Okay, then the unthinkable happens, okay? Because they're like, all right, this is the Jets opening. Now they could go back to Zach Wilson. Well, I heard through the rumor mill, I was hearing that Zach Wilson... He's still, he, he looked gingerly out there. He's still like limping. His knee doesn't seem 100%. So they don't think they're going to be able to start him again this week again, uh, you know, against Miami in Florida there. So it's like, okay, one more week of Mike White, no problem, whatever. Not so fast, New York Jets fans. Okay. Um, First, I'm going to play this little clip, this little gem from Robert Sala, because as bad as Mike White was playing, Jets fans at, at MetLife started chanting Joe Flacco's name, which I don't know what kind of crackpot friggin' loser Jets fans you guys are, but chanting Joe Flacco's name is a disgrace, and I would have never done it. I'm a Jets fan. I promise you I would not have chanted for Joe Flacco, um, but that's how New York New York, New Jersey um, type fans are. They don't care who you are. If you're sucking in a game, they want you out. But here was, so here was the first quote from Robert Sala on Mike White, you know, them chanting Joe Flacco and his thoughts on it. Mike White, uh, coach, had an awesome game and he had a poor game in two of his starts. What's your level of confidence in him? I still got a lot of confidence in Mike, you know, just, uh, again, you know, the, the, this market fascinates me in the sense that, you know, he, he was anointed uh, the next coming after one game and now everyone wants to throw him away. Like he, he deserves better than that. And, uh, you know, he had, uh, uh, did he play his best? No. Is he capable of playing better? Absolutely. Uh, just, you know, that's that, that, that defense, give them a lot of credit. They can, they've made a lot of people look really bad and uh, they're, they're pretty freaking good. They've been together for four years. They don't, they don't, they're so precise in how they operate. So um, credit to them, but, uh, but haven't lost faith in Mike, Mike at all. Okay. Robert Sala, if you haven't lost faith in Mike White at all, and you, you said at a, earlier point that anything could happen Mike White could actually win this job from Zach Wilson in the time that Zach Wilson was out then why did I find out yesterday early afternoon that guess what or maybe it was even Wednesday Mike White is not starting for the New York Jets on Sunday in Miami Joe friggin Flacco is starting against Miami are you out are are you kidding me this is a cluster you-know-what, and here is Robert Sala's explanation, his cockamamie excuse, okay? This is egg wash right now, his excuse as to why Joe Flacco is starting. Here it is. Why Joe Flacco? You know, Joe is uh, uh, just that veteran. 
one of the reasons why we went and got Joe is for the experience part of it, not only for the playing ability and uh, but for the room, but also for situations just like this. You know, Miami's got a, a dynamic uh, uh, coverage system as, as it pertains to defense with zero and all the different coverages they run. And, and Joe's kind of been there, done that, and uh, just kind of a steadying experience uh, that we felt would put us in the best position to win. Okay, I hope you, I hope you caught that. Are you serious? A dynamic and complex system? The, the Miami Dolphins, the team that's giving up 25 points a game. Let's throw away. I, I understand they just played their asses off. Game of the year. Okay. They beat the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson stifled that entire offense, right? Great. Whatever. Tua came, in, uh, in, came on in relief when Brissett got hurt um, and they won the game. What? Okay, great. You mean to tell me Mike White, who started against Cincinnati, who started against the Colts on Thursday night before getting hurt after throwing that touchdown pass, and who started against arguably the best defense in the NFL in the Buffalo Bills. You mean to tell me after all that, after all the hype, after all the players getting behind him and saying that that this guy is a leader and they love this guy and chanting his name and the coaches saying, oh, we knew for years the way he runs the scout team, this guy's legit, all of that. And Mike White can't handle the blitz and the scheming of the Miami Dolphins, the three and seven Miami Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins that are giving up 25 points per game. But, oh, this guy that we just brought in here named Joe Flacco, Super Bowl winning quarterback Joe Flacco from a decade ago, plus He's the answer. He's the one, the least mobile of them all. 37-year-old Joe friggin' Flacco is going to anoint himself as the quarterback of the New York Jets. He's going to come in there, and he's going to smoke my— Give me a break. That is a load of bull. And this next question was justified. And take a listen, because it's the exact thing that we were all thinking. You traded a sixth-round pick for him. He wasn't active for two games, gets in there. It's almost like you have to justify the trading of the sixth-round pick. Is there any truth to that? No, it, it's a fair it's a fair question, but be real. It, I mean, you can get a sixth-round pick back by trading one spot in the third. I mean, it's not a – it was a really good opportunity to get a very veteran quarterback in this building and uh, at a cost that's not hard to recoup, and, and I thought Joe made a fantastic move. So, But it has, it has nothing to do with justifying something like that. I think it absolutely does because this is a league driven by the NFL draft, okay? It's a league driven by the draft, and you put yourself and set yourselves up for the best possible position. You think Bill Belichick wouldn't gladly take that sixth-round pick and, and turn it into, oh, wait, you know what? He already did. He turned it into Tom friggin' Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT. Tom Brady, who, by the way, his documentary, forget what it's called, but it's now on ESPN+. Plus. They're releasing like an episode a week or something. I have not watched it yet, but um, seen a bunch of commercials about that. So there you have that if you want to watch something else to watch on streaming this weekend. Um, but yeah, that that's to me, that's a load of BS. I think this 100% is about the pick. The fact that they have, again, egg on their face because they traded for Joe Flacco and then all of a sudden this guy that nobody heard of, Mike White, fifth round draft pick, throws for 400 yards and... and you know, brings the Jets back, you know, from two scores with five minutes left and they win the game in overtime. Like, this is just, it's un, you can't make some of this stuff up. 
You really can't. And now that I'm now I'm hearing, at least my dad told me today, I didn't get a chance to hear it, but he said that there's talk that the Jets would have started Joe Flacco, but because he was unvaccinated, I guess, and he had to, you know, he couldn't join the team right away maybe and, and learn the system and all. That that's again, it's all bull. Why I think what it is is this: I truly believe that the Jets don't want a quarterback controversy on their hands because the first game was fantastic against the Bengals. Boom, they get a win. Oh my God, this guy just threw for four hundred yards. Second game, Thursday night, second drive of the game, he 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 was looking good. I'm not gonna lie, he threw a money touchdown to Elijah Moore, and then he gets hurt. If he plays that full game. Who knows? He might throw for 400 yards again because Josh Johnson threw for 300 in like two and a half quarters, okay? All right, then we have the Buffalo game. Fans want this guy to succeed now. They don't care about whether it's Zach Wilson, Mike White. They just want a quarterback, right? Myself included. Mike White plays miserably. So now Jets fans have that game and a half, like two games really, versus this one game. And we're still, it's like, uh, yeah, it was the Bills. Anybody would have been struggling as a basically rookie against the Bills, you know, making just their third start. We're not, we're still not that sold on this guy. We we want to see him again. I think that if he went out against a three and seven Dolphins team and dominated them and the Jets won the game, what do you do then? Because next week is Houston. Houston is quite arguably the worst team in football, not record wise. That's the Lions, but Houston can't get much worse, okay? You can't get much worse than Houston. If the New York Jets go out in Miami and and Mike White dominates, there's no justifying going back to Zach Wilson at that point. So the Jets are starting Joe Flacco because Joe Flacco's not in the future of this organization. Mike White still possibly could be. So there's no controversy by starting Joe Flacco, whether he does good or he does bad, He's a bridge, okay? If he goes out there and throws for 500 yards and five touchdowns, I don't think it's, I still don't think it matters against Houston because I th- honestly, I believe the Jets could throw any of the quarterbacks out there against Houston and, and, and possibly win the game. Like no quarterback gives them any better or worse chance to beat Houston, but I think against Miami, it does. I, I don't, I mean, Joe Flacco doesn't look like he wants to be here. It, it doesn't look like they, This decision to start Joe Flacco is meaningless. It's pointless. All it does is anger the fan base. But again, that is my thought process. That is what I believe the Jets are doing it for. Um, Greeny, Mike Greenberg, biggest Jets fans out there. He was having none of it, and he sounded off on his show. The Dolphins are better than the Jets, but everyone is better than the Jets. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and it's not even close. Forget about Detroit's record. That's not true. They're but bad, the but they're not they the worst. They start Mike White now because of the complexity of the Dolphins' defense. Is this a guy who was the most confident person that ever lived and has lost his confidence based on one bad game against what is a genuinely great defense in the Bills? What the hell is going on here? I mean, what what the hell is going on? Brandon is a Jet fan. Is my is my the stage man? Uh, am I wrong? What are they doing? I mean, does it make any sense to you what they're doing? Zero. Zero. It takes zero cents. So they should be starting Mike White this weekend. Uh, unless he's hurt. Unless he's also hurt. That's a complex defense. It's, it's a complex defense. They allow 25 points a game. It's a complex defense. 
I mean, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They went from, you never know. This is the coach talking now. <laughs> I, the coach said, you never know. Anything can happen. Mike White might wind up beating out Zach Wilson, the guy that we are building our entire franchise around. And a week later, well, he can't handle that Miami defense. Let's not be ridiculous. We can't <laughs> throw him out there against these guys. We can't throw him out there against this Dolphin defense, this 3-7 and seven juggernaut of a defense allowing 25.2 points per game. Can't do that to Mike White. Mike White grew up in Florida, by the way. He'd probably love to play the Dolphins. Whatever. That doesn't make a damn bit of difference. I don't care about Mike White one way or the other. It's all about Zach Wilson. But there's no consistency in the decision-making whatsoever. There's no plan. None. Zero. Exactly right. There is no plan. The Jets seemingly, it doesn't matter what regime is in power, what general manager, what head coach, the same thing over and over. It's really a circus show. It's a clown show with the New York Jets. Um, You know, they should just paint their faces and and put a big red nose, uh, you know, on their face. It's just it, it, it honestly, it, it can't get much worse. I didn't even, I'm not, I don't even have the energy to get into the whole Rex Ryan where he absolutely went on uh, and obliterated Robert Sala and said, don't anybody ever uh, compare this guy to me. You know, his defenses, they finished uh, last four out of five times that he was in San Francisco. And, you know, he's, he's clamoring about the injuries. Oh, I had, I had all these injuries and my defense finished top five in the league. And then, you know, Sala did the, the worst thing you could possibly do as a rookie head coach. He responded to Rex um, and he gave, he gave a platform to this and his brother to make matters worse. You know, what, what Sala said wasn't terrible. Uh, maybe he should have handled it behind closed doors, maybe called Rex, handled it that way. But, the worst thing for someone in a spot in the spotlight like Sala to have your brother try and defend you on Twitter. Oh my God. That was, that was a bad look. I thought that was a bad look and it didn't get as much traction as it should have gotten, but it was just a bad, bad look. So, um, you know, Greenberg thinks the Jets are the worst team in the NFL. In in some instances, yeah, they are. Front office, why? You know, just the history of everything, they're bad. But let's not let's not kid ourselves. The Lions are worse than the Jets, and the Texans are worse than the Jets. They have no future right now. The Jets, at least, we still have a rookie quarterback. We have a left guard that we should get back pretty soon in his second year. Makai Becton. We have. Um, Vera Tucker, who we just drafted, who looks like a stud at the left guard position. I mean, Elijah Moore is starting to come into his own. We have some some players, but the way we're running the team right now, not great. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to this Miami game, and we'll see if I'm watching after, past halftime. Um, and we'll see a little bit later. I'm going to give three picks that I like this week. Um, that might be one of them. We'll see when I look at it. Okay, last night we had the... Patriots absolutely dominating, dominating the Falcons. Uh, their second rematch since that Super Bowl where the Patriots came back down 28 to three. And this was just, uh, this was just bad. The Patriots defense is dominating right now. The Patriots offense is playing boring football, but it is winning football. Um, starting this one off the Patriots, uh, they get the ball to to kick things off, right? 
I actually bet on this game. There was an odds boost on DraftKings. I placed a bet just beforehand, and I took no score on the first offensive possession of the game. So Patriots get the ball first, and I'm like, damn, I kind of wanted the Falcons to get the ball first because Cordero Patterson was ruled out prior to the game. So I'm like, all right, Falcons will probably go three and out. The Patriots go three and out, except they throw a flag on a pass downfield. I'm like, no, they're close to the 50. They tried an they try to run to the outside that got stuffed and it's like now fourth and two, fourth and three surprisingly Belichick punted. So I won that bet. Thank God. Um, and then after that, the Patriots pretty much dominated the first half. They, there was no score in the third. It was 13 to nothing. The Falcons were still in this thing. The one chance they had at scoring points, they kicked a field goal from 45 young way. made it. There was a penalty the kicking unit ran off the field, icing themselves. The penalty was on the Falcons. They moved back five yards. Young Way Koo came back out, and he just missed the field goal wide left. I happened to be playing against him last night in fantasy. So, thankfully, he got me a big old fat goose egg. So, that's always nice when that happens. Um, and, yeah, they got blanked. They got blanked. Matty Ice uh, sacked four times, I believe, picked off twice. He only threw for 153 yards, obviously no touchdowns. They didn't score a single point, okay? And with the game finally out of reach, I thought Matt Ryan should have been benched at halftime. I don't I don't understand um, who the Falcons think Matt Ryan is. He's never won a Super Bowl, okay? He won an MVP one time. Great. And do I think he's a really good quarterback in this league? Yes. But who the hell is Matt Ryan that he should have been left in that game to get destroyed, to play poorly? Um, you know, I know they're missing Cordero Patterson, but they have Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts finished with three catches for 29 yards. It's not good enough. It's unacceptable. We're talking about Kyle Pitts, who has more receptions or receiving yards in his first nine games ever by a tight end, ever, and he only gets three for 29. I mean, come on, this ain't. This is not the 85 Bears. This Patriots defense is good, but really, really, you can't get, cord, uh, you can't get Kyle Pitts involved. Uh, it's just, they look so bad. So eventually, with the game fully out of hand, Josh Rosen comes in. Third pass of the year for Josh Rosen, Probably. This is probably his first action of the year that I know of anyway. He throws a pick six to Kyle Van Noy. That definitely put the game out of reach. Arthur Smith said, I've seen enough. Ensuing kickoff, Felipe Franks comes in the game. What does Felipe Franks do? Throw an interception on his first pass attempt. The very first play, he throws an interception, and that's your ball game. The Patriots win 25 to nothing. Here's the stat of the night in this game. The New England defense hasn't allowed a point in 19 possessions. That is covering 115 minutes and five seconds of game time since the opening drive against Cleveland last week. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons haven't scored in their last 22 possessions, covering a span of 113 minutes and 24 seconds since its opening drive against Dallas last week and the Falcons have not scored a touchdown in 130 minutes and 39 seconds. Yikes. Okay, let's move along. There was some Antonio Brown news that dropped yesterday, um, and that is this. The Tampa Bay Times reported allegations that Antonio Brown 
acquired a fake vaccination card for him and his girlfriend before the season. Um, Antonio Brown's former chef, who I believe Antonio Brown slighted by not paying, so take that for what it's worth, his former chef told the Times that A.B. allegedly, Antonio Brown allegedly tried to obtain fake vaccination cards for him and his, uh, from him, excuse me. So he went to his chef and was like, bro, do you know where I can get a fake vax card for me and my girl? Blah, blah, blah. That's what he says. This is according to chef. The Bucks have since issued a statement. They issued one late yesterday or sometime yesterday. And it states, after an extensive educational process conducted throughout our organization this past off season, highlighting the benefits of the COVID-19 vaccines, we received completed vaccination cards from all Tampa Bay players and submitted the required information to the NFL through the established process in accordance with league policy. So that is their way of saying we're covering ourselves. We checked it. It's all good. Blah, blah, blah. Well, it might not all be good. Who knows? But the league is investigating this right as of now. and. We'll know for sure soon enough if this is real, if this is fake, um, if this is just a guy with a grudge that's trying to disparage Antonio Brown's name because, let's face it, Antonio Brown has a history, a past, and it's not great, and it wouldn't be surprising if he did something like this. So um, who knows? But his lawyer came out and say said, denied it, said he's 100% fully vaccinated. So again, after this investigation, we'll know for sure is this worse than Aaron Rodgers' situation where he just lied because he didn't provide a fake fax card, which from my understanding is uh, Adam Schefter tweeted, it is a federal offense, a federal crime to provide a fake fax card. So yeah, we're going to find out soon enough what's going to come of this. Hey, where's my New York Mets fans at? I know they're here somewhere. You finally got yourselves a general manager. It only took losing Noah Syndergaard just a few days ago to finally get the man, that being former Angels general manager, Billy Epler, okay? Um, a little bit about Billy Epler. He was fired after the 2020 season. He was uh, he ran the show there in, in Anaheim from 2015 to 2020. So that means his team's compiled a... a a whopping 332 and 376 record. Not to mention, Epler was in charge when Tyler Skaggs overdosed and, you know, the whole fiasco that ensued with that, with the organization, that that occurred under his thumb. And Epler is, unfortunately, credited with hiring pitching coach Millie, Mickey Calloway, the former Mets coach, who um, was basically fired from the Angels because all this crap came out about him trying to hit on women and say that he would give them reporters good stories if they came out for drinks with him and all this other stuff. So, um, but Epler, apparently, you know, he he knows New York. He got his start with the Yankees under Cashman, started as a scout in uh, 20, uh, excuse me, 04, worked his way up, assistant general manager before going to the Angels. Um, this is not the guy I would have hired, um, you know, so we'll, we'll see what it what comes of it. But Sandy Alderson, you know, for weeks and weeks throughout the play, the meetings, the owners meetings and such, uh, you know, they're getting denied this guy that they wanted to reach out to. Um, the other teams wouldn't wouldn't give permission and nobody wants to come to New York because it's New York. Well, that's all a load of BS. Maybe they just didn't want to 
be GM for the New York Mets and Steve Cohen. So we'll see what comes of it. I don't know if Mets fans are happy or sad about this. Um, so we'll see. But the Mets finally, after all this time, have a new general manager. All right, let's talk MLB MVP. Let's stick with baseball. MVP awards were handed down yesterday. And, of course, uh, the Angels Otani was um, named MVP. Unanimous vote. He got all 30 first-place votes. That's the other thing about Epler. He's credited with bringing Otani to the Angels. Big whoop. Um of course, we know Otani won Rookie of the Year, stole it from Miguel Andujar. I stand by that till the day I die. He should not have been given. He was the shiny new toy. Oh, my God. He, nobody's done this since Babe Ruth, a pitcher and, and a hitter, and he barely pitched that year because he got hurt, and um, he wins Rookie of the Year over Andujar. And then you fast forward to this year when he wins MVP over a guy that almost won the triple crown in Vlad Guerrero Jr. And if I'm Vlad, I'm pissed because th this is getting old, okay? Otani, yeah, he actually pitched more than, you know, 130 innings this year. Um, I have it written down here, actually. It was, how many innings did he pitch? Um, 130 and a third innings. Yeah, he was 9-2, and 3.18 ERA, struck out 10.8 per nine. I watched him at Yankee Stadium, didn't make it through one inning. Did not make it through one inning. The Yankees sadly ended up losing that game. They were up like 8 nothing and lost the game, but that's not the point. He did not make it through one inning. He could throw 100 miles an hour, and he could hit moonshots. How many home runs did he hit? 40. He hit uh, 40. I thought I had it here somewhere. Whatever. Um, yeah, he hit Otani, hit 46 home runs, and then I gave you his pitching stats. That's all well and good, but to me, MVP is should go to a hitter. Okay? That they they have a they have a separate award for pitchers. That being the Cy Young award which Robbie Ray for the Blue Jays and Corbin Burns of the Brewers respectively won those awards. If Otani was such a great pitcher, why didn't he win a Cy Young? Because he's not that great of a pitcher, ladies and gentlemen. He's a solid, you know, two-way pitcher, a uh, pitcher and hitter. Great. And I do believe that he's a above average hitter. I'll give him that. He can hit the shit out of the ball, but let's not mistake, you know, let's not, let's call a spade a spade. All right. Like this guy should not have won MVP and the league and the media frenzy. And I think everybody is falling in love with this idea of what he does, that he's able to pitch and he's able to hit, like give it a rest. It's much more impressive the numbers that Vlad Guerrero Jr. put up. I'm sorry. I would not have given MVP to Otani, and I certainly wouldn't have given him Rookie of the Year. But he won it um, for the American League, so great. Congratulations. Another meaningless award for the Angels, who yet again have not made the playoffs. And, you know, Mike Trout is supposed to be the best player in baseball, and I've been saying for a while now he's not even the best player on his team because Otani has been dominating the, you know, the stat sheet and he's been their best player and Trout hasn't played in who knows how long it's been. Um, on the flip side, for the NL, Bryce Harper won MVP. It was a little bit closer in the voting. This was his uh, second MVP, by the way. He took 17 of the 30 first-place votes for 348 points. He hit 309 with 35 home runs and led all of baseball with a 179 OPS plus 
and a slugging percentage of 615. This was his first MVP. Um, excuse me, he won his first MVP in 2015 with the Nationals, and he is now the 15th player to win multiple MVPs before his age 29 season. Juan Soto plays second, and um, I saw Brandon Crawford was in there finishing, I think, like fourth. Um, Marcus Simeon finished third, and I believe Aaron Judge fourth in the American League. Um. Yeah, so that was my rant about Otani. I don't want to take anything away from him because it's well-deserved, but at the same time, I would have given it to Vlad. Okay, um, before we finish up the show, I do want to give out some picks because I've been um, hot and cold lately, but most of the time, I'm I'm up. I'm, I'm up over like 1000 bucks on the season so far in the NFL. We've got a bunch of games coming up this weekend. Um, and so here it goes. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to give any college picks because the college stuff, I do bet on it, but I haven't gotten in, I haven't gone in depth on this at all. Um, if I had to say, honestly, um, in the college side of things, Hey, Michigan state, Ohio state, that's going to be a good one. Battle of two, nine and one teams. Ohio state is actually favored by 18 and a half. I think that's quite absurd. Um, so just off the bat, that leaps out at me. Um, I saw a spread last week of 41 and a half on Clemson to cover over UConn. Um, and I said, no way, Jose, I've watched Clemson. They've covered once in the last like eight games. And that was last week when I actually bet on them and they barely covered against Louisville, a failed fourth down and goal fourth and goal, uh, you know, won the game for me. Um, so I jumped on UConn. And sure enough, Clemson only won by 37, so I hit on that. All right, you've got Iowa and Illinois. Iowa favored by 12 and a half. No idea. Some of these spreads are jumping out at me right off the bat. Iowa should destroy Illinois by by two touchdowns at least. Um, I see them winning by 21. I, I mean, I just don't understand that. Um, this is just Big Ten I'm looking at, and I like some of these. Let's see, top 25. All right, um... Yeah, Georgia's playing char there's not even a spread on that game. That's ridiculous. Um what's the games at night? Uh, You've got oh yes, Utah hosting Oregon. Number 23 Utah actually three point favorites against Oregon at home. Um I will say this, Oregon's not as good as people think. They might be ranked 3rd, um but I might lean towards Utah. If I had to bet this game, I would lean towards Utah. Um Oregon, I just I haven't seen enough of them to 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 you know to believe that they're a college football playoff type of caliber uh, team. All right, so on the NFL side of things, that was more college than I wanted to give. You have a couple of my picks that couple picks that I like. Right, um, let's see. Immediately, I'll tell you Titans minus nine and a half on the uh, at home against the Texans. This is not the time for the Titans to uh, lose a game. This is they're not going to have no letdown and lose to the Houston Texans. So Titans minus nine and a half, I think, is fair. You have the Vikings hosting the Packers. The Vikings have been up and down. They're coming off the win against the Chargers. Why is this only a one and a half point spread? I have no idea. I know those division games can be a little dicey, um, but I would roll with the Packers confidently enough in that game. Uh, let's see. You've got the 49ers and Jaguars. Jaguars are two and seven. 49ers four and five. They're fighting still for their playoff lives, maybe trying to hang around there. They're six and a half point favorites in Jacksonville. That's a big cross country trek. 
don't fall for this. You know, there, this could be a trap game. I'm not going to lie. So this isn't my favorite pick. I will say 49ers, but it's not my favorite pick. So just keep an eye out on that. Um, you've got Cowboys and Chiefs. Um, Cowboys are two and a half point dogs. The easy, obvious answer in this one. If you want guarantees, you take the over. The over being 55 and a half, I would jump on that soon, r- sooner rather than later. I know no Amari Cooper, but that's fine. Um, the Chiefs' defense is not that good. It's played it's played pretty good the last couple weeks, but it, it's not it's not great. So um, I like the over in that. And if I did have to bet, I would actually um, go with the Chiefs just because Amari Cooper is out. So I'd ch- take the Chiefs by a field goal. Uh, you got Cardinals, Seahawks. Kyler Murray should be back in this one, so I'll jump on the Cardinals get uh, at one and a half spread. Uh, feel pretty confident about that. You got the Chargers and the Steelers. Big Ben should be back, so I think this game could be a little bit closer. Chargers are favored by six. I I like the Steelers there to cover. And then Monday night you've got the Bucks and Giants. Bucks are ten and a half point favorites against the New York Football Giants. I know Tom Brady has struggled in his career against the Giants in Super Bowls, but he does not struggle in the regular season. I think they bounce back after a really bad loss. Uh, against Washington a week ago, and they cover the 10 and a half. You've got two teams on by in week, uh, what number? We're in week 11, yes, the two teams on by, Broncos and Rams. So, uh, yeah, that just about wraps this show up, ladies and gentlemen. And before we go on this date in sports, November 19th, 2006, Drew Brees sets a career high and Saints' single-game record with 510 passing yards versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, Mike White throwing for 405 yards and setting the world on fire against the Bengals, and Drew Brees did it himself. Most passing yards in a game, 510. He did it against the Bengals. That was November 19th, 2006. That's going to wrap this show up, guys. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in just about the hour and two mark. Um, I hope you enjoy the weekend. It's starting to get a little cold out there, blistery. Um, So stay warm. We've got Thanksgiving next week. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I've got a shortened work week, which is nice. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to Thanksgiving, spending time with the family and watching some football as always. Um, I will give you guys my picks. Uh, sometimes I post stuff on Twitter here and there. And if you guys keep an eye out for that, um, or if you hit me up, I will give out some picks. But um, usually, you know, it's, it's those gut feelings, a little bit of research. But most of the time with the NFL, it's a, I, I could feel it, whether I like something or not. I jumped on that, you know, that Jets over I liked. Um, so, yeah. Uh, That's going to wrap this one up. I will see you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Enjoy. Happy holidays.